I was just praying for everybody, and I just wanted to let you know I, I miss you guys. I wish we could be together. Uh, I'm praying for you every day at 7.30. I hope you are joining me in prayer at 7.30 every day. So here it is again. We've got one more week gone by, and what a strange time we are in. I've seen people uh, have the tailgate meetings, and I think that's wonderful that we can still kind of see each other and visit in person uh, and follow the rules of the, the guidelines of our community. Uh, I hope that you have been getting a call from one of our elders or from me this week. And uh, it's, it's hard to know how to be the church, how to do church together uh, in these circumstances. And I, and I just hope that you are thinking about ways that you can go and reach people uh, for Jesus' sake. If you've getting, been getting a call from an elder, I encourage you to to. Think about who your flock is and to call them and pray together, pray for each other. Keep asking God to give us guidance and, and uh, courage and faith and peace. This week I noticed that my screen time had gone up and, uh, and I also realized that my anxiety and my discomfort about the life circumstances has also gone up. So this week I am determined to uh, not walk around with my phone and reduce my screen time because there's so much news that gets poured into my mind, so many flashes of it's this that's happening, it's that that's happening, and, and it's hard to know what, what's the truth. It's hard to know what I can hold on to. I'm looking for the kind of news that I can rely on, right? And uh, the news that I know that is reliable is the good news. And I want to draw near to the Lord in his word. And, and I want to draw near to the Lord so I can have that peace and I can have that clarity. It says in Psalm 91 that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God in whom I trust I hope you are finding those words true this week. As you draw near to the Lord, that you, you find your anchor, you find your security, you find your rest. If you were to be here at the church with me this morning, you would see on the doors on the entrance of the sanctuary that it is our desire is to know Christ and to make him known. We gather together to get to know him better. And that's what we are doing this morning. We are coming into his word today in Luke chapter 6 to get to know Jesus better, to get to know him more, to see what he is about, to understand what his mission and purpose is, because we want to come in alignment with that, right? And then when we depart from this, we want to then make him known to our neighbor, to our neighborhood, to our community, to our world. And so let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to do that. We pray with me? Lord Jesus, we pray that you use this time to teach us your word. Your word, which is truth, Lord, help it to grow and, and develop our heart to shape our lives, Lord, that we would become more of a reflection of you to our world. Use us to help people to know you better, to bring your comfort and peace during this time of question and uncertainty. 
Help us to join your mission. And thank you for calling us and choosing us for this purpose. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. As I said before, we're, we're in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. And I wanted to stay with our uh, progression through Luke because it feels like in life we're kind of in a, in a waiting room. We're kind of holding still. We're in a holding pattern right now in our daily life. And so I thought in our meetings together, it would be good for us to keep having progression through the gospel of Luke. And so that's why I've stuck with it and not gone a a topical way. Um, I know that this week is Palm Sunday. Uh, I don't have a Palm Sunday message per se, but I will have an Easter message next Sunday. Paul writes, he who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. In our passage last Sunday, Jesus' words were, blessed are you when men hate you. He, He says that you are blessed when you're persecuted. You're lucky when you're persecuted. You are fortunate when you're persecuted. In God's mind, that is what you are. He said, blessed are you when men hate you when they exclude you, when they insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. And he goes on and he says, rejoice in that day and and even leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their fathers treated the prophets. And so this week in today's passage, he'll go on to explain that when you are persecuted, this is how you need to react to the persecution How we are to respond to persecution is very, very important to Jesus. It's very important to his mission. On one hand, we are to rejoice between us and God. We know that in heaven, our reward will be great because of where where we stand in our faith and how others are reacting to it. But then he says our response towards those who have persecuted us, who have come against us because of our faith, we're to, re- we're to respond to them in love, to love even our enemies. And in order to do this, it's going to take an act of God in our heart, right? Let's pray before we get into Psalm six or uh, Luke 6, verses 27 and on. Lord, open our eyes. Give us the courage to, to apply what you're showing us this morning. Help us to live this out and bring honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's open up to Luke 6, 27. Jesus says this, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? 
Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. If I'm being honest here, this cuts to my heart because when I hear these words and I think about the implications of them, of actually applying what he is saying here, a war begins in my soul because that is hard. That goes against my nature in in many ways. And so I I reread I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. And if someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Is he really saying what I think he's saying? Is he talking in code here? Can we just white out these words and say he didn't say it? No, he really said this, and how it sounds is what he means. He begins this by saying, I tell you who hear me, and it's really a call to action. It's like a parent with their children When a parent says, you're not listening to me, you're hearing the words I say, but you're not doing what I'm telling you to do. This is what Jesus is saying. To those who hear me, to those who are listening, act upon these words. And he says, love your enemies. Okay, so who is my enemy? In this context, the enemy is those who would persecute you because of Jesus, So if Jesus is to be your Lord, and if Jesus is your master, this is it. This is what you're supposed to do. This is the way. And and the way that it sounds is the way it's supposed to be. Respond to your enemy in love. When you live in service to Jesus, you live under his values, his way, his purposes, And sometimes his values, his principles are offensive to others. And when that happens, they might exclude you. They might insult you. They might call you evil or call you bad or call you judgmental or call you hypocritical. And when when this happens, Jesus tells you, love them back. Love them in return. Do not retaliate. Keep doing business with them. We might think, if if I actually do this, I might look foolish. I might look weak. We ask, why? Why do I have to do that? He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those 
who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. You don't get any credit for doing your job. You don't get high praise just for doing what you're supposed to do. But he says, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Do good to your enemy and lend to your enemy without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. Then you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Jesus calls us to go above the norm, to go above the minimum. He tells us to stand out, to be set apart for the sake of his mission. And when you live according to Christ's values and you begin to call others to also live by Christ's values, you're going to get persecuted. You will be persecuted. For example, if you were to say that Jesus is the only way, people are not going to like that. And when you start to point out things in your community and in your country that don't line up with God, be ready for persecution. It will come. As I was looking at this, a man that came to my mind that had experience in this very thing is our brother Martin Luther King Jr. And during the civil rights movement, he openly condemned segregation. He called it evil, and he was persecuted for it. He was beaten, he was imprisoned, and ultimately, he was killed because of it. But he applied Jesus' words, and we admire him for it. Listen what he says to those who are in this movement with him. He says, if you have weapons, take them home. If you do not have them, please do not seek to get them. We cannot solve this problem through retaliatory violence. We must meet violence with nonviolence. Remember the words of Jesus, he says. He who lives by the sword will perish by the sword. We must love our white brothers no matter what they do to us. We must make them know that we love them. Jesus still cries out in words that echo across the centuries. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. This is what we must live by. We must meet hate with love. And he also says, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into friend. So this whole idea of loving your enemy, of those who hurt you, to love them in return, it, it hurts my pride when I really think about applying it. It's hard. It's not easy. I need the right mindset. What can I focus on so that this is actually a possibility? Jesus says it right here in the text. He says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Because love is what wins us to God. Love is what wins others to God. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Do to others as God does to you. Be compassionate. Be forgiving to others the same way God is compassionate and forgiving to you. 
Love your enemy like they are your friend. If we are to love our enemy this way, isn't it reasonable to think that this applies to all relationships in our life? We could say, love your neighbor like your family. Parent your children and love your children the way God parents you and loves you. Love and serve your spouse the same way Christ loves and serves me. Love my siblings the way God loves me. Be merciful because God is merciful to you. He says, give and lend without expecting anything in return. Jesus means what he says here. But I think there will be times where where we do not give and we do not lend, right? I don't think he's telling us to give every time someone asks. God is loving and merciful and generous, but he doesn't give us what we ask for every time we ask for it, does he? So I don't think Jesus is necessarily to say, always let people walk over you, always let people take advantage of you. Healthy boundaries are a good thing. You don't have to trust everyone. Love and trust are not the same thing. And it's okay to hold people accountable. But what I think Jesus is really trying to emphasize here is that we need to look at every situation, every relationship with the lens of love. We need to determine what is best for Christ's mission in our lives. We want them our friends, our family, our neighbor, our coworker, and even our enemy to know Christ, to know the love of God. There have been quite a few times in my life where I knew people were taking advantage of my kindness and generosity, but I also felt in that moment that showing them the grace that God has shown me was more important than me, like catching them in the act. I, I just wanted to give to them with no strings attached because I wanted them to know grace. Our world is full of ungrace and I want to plant seeds of grace in people's lives and show mercy because I have been shown mercy. And when I gave to them, I didn't say, hey, I know you're lying, but I'm doing this for you anyway. I didn't, I didn't do that. I just kept silent about it. There was no strings attached, no comment about it. It just it was a gift, right? It was between me and God. And the only reason why I could do that was because I realized that God does that to me all the time. So why do we love everyone, including our enemy, because that's the way God is. He loved us even when we were his enemy. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even while hanging on the cross, dying a death Christ did not deserve, taking a punishment that he did not own, it wasn't, it wasn't his to take, He says to the Father, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. And later in Colossians, it also says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, 
but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. God gave us grace even though we didn't deserve it, right? That's what grace is. And he wants us to be gracious to others. For some reason, God didn't just pour out his wrath upon us. He was gracious to us. And then he also didn't force us to serve him. He wins our heart through love and compassion. And his desire is that his love would transform us from the inside out and that we would begin to look at all other people through compassionate eyes, just like he does, even our enemies. And so if you consider yourself to be a child of God, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, he says, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. He who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. By loving our enemies in return, we are making a statement. We are saying, I don't need man's approval. I don't need money. I don't need to be repaid. I don't need things. I don't need to curse back or have revenge because I have Jesus. And that's the difference. He loves me in such a way that I love you in return. And in order for us to radically love this way, we need to understand how much God loves us. We need to receive God's love for us. And in order to receive God's love, you need to draw near to God. We can humble ourselves so that God will lift us up. We can draw near to God so that he will draw near to us. When I picture this, humbling ourselves and approaching God, um, I picture uh, one of my small children, when they desire to be comforted or needed to be loved on, they walk up to me at the base of my feet and they lift up their arms to me and they want to be picked up. And I pick them up and I hold them close. I give them the love that they are asking for. And I think if I can do that to my children, how much more can God do that to us who ask? to us who seek to receive love. If you want to ask God to open your heart to his love, I believe that that is a prayer that he says a resounding yes to. He will show you his love. He will enter your heart and expand your uh, capacity to be loved and to love others. There's no need to pretend to God. He already knows us all the way through. There's no need to perform to get God's love. He has already given it to you. We need to trust that he is gracious and compassionate, that he is slow to anger and he is rich, abundant in love. This week is Passion Week, and it's perhaps the most important week on our calendar. This week is the demonstration 
the full demonstration of God's love for us, that he would die our death on our behalf. This week is so important, it's in all four Gospels. It's recorded in all four of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. And in the Gospel of John, one-third of his book is dedicated just to this one week. In the book of John, chapters 12 to the very end of the book is, is the record of this week. And I encourage you to read it this week. Because in those chapters, Jesus speaks of love in great detail. If I could be so uh, bold as to request it as homework, read John 12 to the end of the book this week. And take special note of where Jesus talks about love and ask him to show you what he means by it and ask his love to enter into your heart so that it can be poured out through your life. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray you help us to love others, including our enemies. Help us to be rooted in love. Help us to be mature in love. Help us to understand and to be able to communicate all the dimensions of your love. That we'd be able to experience and explain the depths of your love and how great and vast your love is. And I thank you that you are able to do this and so much, much more. Amen. So today, we wanted to get to know Jesus better. And we looked into what he tells his disciples. We've heard what he stands for. We see what his vision is for his church. We know what he wants. And he wants us to be able to show his love, his kind of love, to the rest of the world. God help us to do that. For today's benediction, I leave you with John 15. It says, Jesus says this to his disciples. My command to you is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. Let's go be the church. Ready, set, break.